1: And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Waterski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot.
0: Yes, indeed, yes. Yes, indeed. And uh, I am the aforementioned Tony Lyford, and this is the TWBC Podcast. Welcome once again, and a special welcome uh, to... Uh to one of the top female slalom skiers in all the world and a podcaster herself it is elizabeth montavon how are you doing
2: i'm doing great tony how are you
0: not too bad not too bad uh as this has being recorded uh we are at uh, the malibu open the day day before uh practicing and uh, what have you uh how's that gone so far
2: You know, it's great. It's a beautiful time of year to be here at Trophy Lakes. Um, The water temperature is great. I think it's what all water skiers love to ski in. The tail isn't dropping in too low. The skis are performing well. Um, The air is really comfortable. It's going to be a great spectator event as well as just really phenomenal uh, ski conditions.
0: Alright then. So, how do you reckon that your season has gone so far? It's bit, it's, would you say it's a little bit mixed or, 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 would, or would you say it's kind of like on the upslope a little bit?
2: You know, I, I think I, I agree that uh, mixed is a good way to put it. I had a slower start. I sat out the first uh, few events this year, um, but I was just really in training mode. There was a lot of skills that I wanted to work on and sometimes going to events and traveling and, and uh, being in performance mode isn't as productive
0: darn those events get in the way.
2: (laughs) So um, I sat them out and I I just really wanted to train and and dial in my skills. I didn't really feel like I was worthy of those events at that time. Um, But you know, lucky for me, this has been a a longer pro season. I don't know if this is necessarily normal or not, but we have um, a few more events yet to come and it's almost October tomorrow. Um, So I think that my uh, performance in the events that I did ski wasn't really what I'm capable of, but that's okay. There's still more events to come, um, and I'm hoping it is an upslope.
0: All right, uh, take us a little bit back to towards last season because you were in the Mastercraft Pro, and I mean that was in se- that was in sen- a sensational performance in the finals. I mean you really got everything dialed down. I mean, kind of what was your mindset going into that event? Uh, uh, in, in that for, to to yield that kind of performance. Thank
2: you. Yeah, Mastercraft Pro was um, definitely my highlight of last season. Um, and you know, leading up to that event, this is something I've never really talked about. Actually, um, I was overtrained, so um, I had trained so hard on the water in the gym for such a long period of time that I was getting to the point that running just a couple passes was physically too difficult for me Um, and it's weird because being overtrained isn't necessarily something where you feel pain as a symptom Um, you just start to feel like you don't know what you're doing wrong but it's not working and I'm lucky enough that I have you know coaches and people around me who are like hey you're not really doing anything wrong on the water it just looks like it's not clicking and so um, my coach Chet had me take three days off leading up to Mastercraft Pro I was on strict orders to do absolutely nothing and, um, the practice that I took at ski fluid the day before the event, I started to feel like myself again. And then round by round in the event, I realized like I had a fresh body again. I could start working on my keys and it was actually paying off. Um, and I think that really, um, contributed to how well I performed. I think if I had kept training and nobody had told me I was overtrained, um, it, it would have been a completely different story. Um, but I knew that, you know, running a 38 in that final was going to be mandatory. Um, I didn't know that running the 38 and two and a half of 39 was going to get me a second. I never would have guessed that um, just because of the skill level that I'm up against in open women's slalom. Uh, but, you know, running a 38 is is mandatory in open women's slalom events. Um you know now and for the foreseeable future and that's something I love is I think the whole skill level of my field is is creeping up over time and that's what we love to see I think the same for the men's as well um, but I haven't seen a, a woman miss a 38 in a pro event in a, in a long time
0: Okay, and uh, one of the women that we're going to be watching out for a little bit in this competition is the re- is the return of Regina Jaquist, because, I mean, she's been out for the majority of the season ever since she took a jump crash or, or a fall or an injury towards the end of May prior prior to the Masters. Uh, I don't know how well you communicate with the other skiers, but are you all in the welcoming mood?
2: <laughs> I I'm thrilled that Regina is back and able to ski at the level. Um that she's able to ski at again. um, I think Regina has really paved the way for what's possible for women's slalom. And without her leading the charge, I fear that maybe the field would go a little bit stagnant. So as long as Regina is running 39s, um, kind of at, you know, her beck and call, um, it forces all of us to be better. And um, I don't really want to be in a world where I can't compete against somebody like Regina. So I'm glad that she's back. Um, I got to. To see her practice today she looks pretty good on the water i think as she spends more time skiing gets some more confidence under her belt it's going to be old regina before we know it
0: yes indeed and uh, yeah well there, there's plenty of events to come in you you're going to be skiing in the world championships for the first time obviously you're, you're going to have a welcome return to the mastercraft pro and then the miami slalom uh, those the events uh, coming coming up uh Let's let's delve, delve a little bit into kind of the mental aspect of skiing because I mean I've have seen plenty of videos of you whether it be on Instagram or Lord knows what else TikTok or what have you doing your doing your, your gym workouts and all that kind of stuff preparing yourself physically for the for the torture that comes with slalom skiing. Now, have have you ever in what ways have you addressed the mental side? Of of competing because that has been talked about a lot. I mean, I mean, I mean, you've got like people like Naomi Osaka, you know, in the tennis game, you know, has decided to take a break, you know, from (laughs) from from competing to to delve with um, uh, mental issues. I mean, I'm not expecting you to pull off anything like that, but it's it seems to have become more of a thing these days. You know, the mental aspects of competing.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, I've said it once and I'll say it again, um, to ski in these events is a privilege. And as long as you're able to see it from that mindset, it really alleviates a lot of the the stress or the anxiety of competing. Um, I think that, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of a a spike in heart rate, right, when you're sitting on the starting dock at, at an event, especially a pro event. Um, But that little bit of adrenaline, I think, is healthy. I think it means that, okay, this matters to you. Um, But you you have to keep in mind that no tournament is the end of the world. Um, Some tournaments are career makers for people, absolutely. Um, But... If you come to it from a place of gratitude, as cheesy as that sounds, um, it makes, it makes all of it so much better and it makes it easier to stick to what you've trained, stick to your keys and really take in the experience because, you know, none of us are getting younger. So event by event, um, I'm never going to get to experience, you know, the Malibu open at 27 years old ever again, next Mm -hmm. year I'll be older. So, um, coming, coming to it with a, um, from a place of gratitude, I think is key, um, But there's also something that I like to talk about, and that's uh, what we call like the sled dog mentality. And sled dog is, you know, when you're in the gym and you've got a row 5,000 meters, there's no way around the work except for doing that work. And that's like that sled dog mentality, right? They're just going to run. They're going to run until somebody tells them not to. And sometimes in practice, sometimes in tournaments, you just have to get the work done. And we'll talk about the technique and the skill and and how you could have been better later on.
0: I got you I got you. I think one of the things that that a lot of sports writers are actually rather nervous on really and and I do like the point that you made like like competing at this level is a privilege you know and and, I mean, you saw the exploits. I'm sure you've actually heard of Emma Raducanu, who, uh, who became, like, the youngest person to, uh, to win the Women's U.S. Open in, in tennis, mm-hmm. you know. And she's so, she's so young and relatively inexperienced in the game, and you just kind of wonder, you know, is that one title going to be it? Because so much expectation is going to be placed upon her shoulders that it can go one of two ways. Either she can rise to the occasion or crumble. You know, exactly. uh, I mean, what? I mean, what? What is your assessment in for for someone like that? I mean, I know that we've done we, we've done a little bit with Naomi Osaka. You know, I mean, the little what whatever happened to her at the beginning of the season, and then with the Olympics and what have you. But a lot of people are viewing that as like, okay, Emma, what 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 are you going to do? Are you going to crumble like Naomi, or are you going to rise?
2: You know, I think that. Um It's something we see a lot. We see young people with a lot of skill, whether it be because of what they were raised around and how they were raised or some natural ability. We see young people have a lot of success and then we kind of never hear from them again or...
0: Like a Tracy Austin.
2: Right. Or... um, they go on to continue to be great. And I think, um, you know, I don't know for sure. I'm certainly not a sports psychologist by any means. But I think that when you're very, very young and very good at something, um, but your brain is still developing and you're still really developing your sense of self, you don't always know how you achieve that greatness, right? It's just, yeah. I, I did that and it got this result. And as you grow, especially as your body changes, as you get older, you get bigger, um, and maybe you spend your time doing different things, you have new hobbies, and um, you hang out with different people, Um, it can be hard to hold on to that skill set, because that skill set itself actually needs to evolve. And then the question becomes, okay, is that young adult now willing to evolve themselves and change and possibly take a step or two backwards to get better, or are they not Are they interested in other things now? Did they kind of have their glory and they did it and they're done and they're ready to move on? You know, everybody says, oh, there's phases to life and you won't want to ski forever. I don't know if that's true or not, Mm -hmm. Um, but I've certainly seen for some people that is the case. They kind of, they come to skiing, they get really good, they get what they want, whatever achievements, and then they kind of move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, another aspect to all of that is... And I mean, you actually mentioned some of that in in your podcast, "A Ski or Die." You know, one, one, one of the first few episodes that you actually record a life experience uh, that you, that you had uh, as you as you were growing into the sport. You know, and uh, there were certain pressures put put upon you. You know, and the, and it's it, you know. I mean, it it almost got to the point where it was almost replicating the likes of uh, Larry Nassar. Of mm-hmm. uh, obviously, those of you that uh, that don't know Larry, Google him, you know, and you'll be shocked to find to find what you see, you know. But I mean, that's that's another pressure, uh, or I wouldn't I wouldn't say pressure, but that's another thing that a lot of female athletes have to kind of be prepared for, and you know and take the appropriate steps, you know, because it seems to be happening quite a lot these days, wouldn't you say?
2: You know, I think that there's a lot of really good people in water skiing, but unfortunately, it happening once is one too many times, right? So it's not that, I don't know that it's happening frequently, I really can't say for sure, but if it's happening at all, it's it's not okay. And unfortunately for young people, men and women, when you're at that age of, you know, 15, 16, 17, when you're almost an adult, um, and you're hanging out with young adult skiers, and you're in this friend group that is a mix, and you have coaches who are young adults, and you have pro skiers who are of all ages, um, there's a lot of gray area there, because it's not like we're going to say people can't hang out with each other because of certain ages, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And how many junior skiers do we have now who actually ski at the pro level? You know, we have Quite a few 16 and 17-year-olds who will, who will ski open worlds and have a shot at an actual podium, but are we going to say they can't hang out with the pros who are of legal adult age in the U.S.? Of course not. So it, it does open up the opportunity for things to happen that shouldn't be happening. Um, and I think that, you know, also when you're young, you certainly don't want to do anything that's not cool. Yeah. at the end of the day, right? You mm-hmm. don't want to be the person who's not cruel. You want to be the
0: one that fits in.
2: Right. You just, you just want to fit in and you don't want to ruffle any feathers in the wrong way. So if something happens to you, um, speaking up is obviously going to be the hardest thing to do in that situation. Yeah. You, the, the last thing you want to do is speak up. Um, and then on top of it, if there are adults involved, we tend to, as young people, trust adults. We trust that they know what they're doing. And of course, every year that I get older, I'm like... We're all just making this up as we go along <laughs> as adults, <Yeah>. side note. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, you, you trust that, okay, maybe some of this is part of the process. If this makes me uncomfortable, this is maybe this is just part of being an adult. And so I think that, you know, we just, we all need to be looking out for juniors, junior skiers. Yeah. And we all really need to be on our best behavior. And I don't think that's really too tall of an order to ask. Of anybody, just be mindful of what you're saying and what situations you're putting people in, because sometimes young people don't know what they need for themselves. Actually, most of the time, I, mean, uh, I remember being very young. I did not know what was good for me and what wasn't.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, on a side on a side note on that one, uh, I mean, obviously, within the last season or so, uh, USA Water Waterski has, uh, has imposed the need to actually train on train under safe sport to be uh, well to be. Well, uh, trained up uh, under that under that proviso do you think that's an important first step or did d- has it gone far enough
2: um so i haven't completed my safe sport training yet i will before worlds because to ski worlds you have to and so it's it's on my to-do list um i think that the intention behind it is is excellent i think that educating people is good i can't speak to what that particular program is the, how effective it is because i haven't done it yet so i do like the effort i've heard a lot of mixed things but just because i've heard something doesn't really mean anything right
0: mm-hmm. indeed okay so between now and the end of the season uh coming back to you and your skin and your goals i mean we went off on a little bit of a tangent there but i think that there were certain subject matter that uh that i brought you on board for to actually discuss you know that i, th- that I think is genuinely important but coming back to you uh what does a great season look like to you, goal-wise?
2: Goal-wise, you know, I think that for me, um, I'm going to my first Worlds, um, yeah. and I would love to run a really beautiful 38 at Worlds. I don't think 6 at 38 is going to do much at Worlds. Um, I think it's going to be much taller order than that. But, you know, every 38 that I get under my belt in, in a pro event um, is a win for me. Um, I would like to also get a little deeper down the line at 39 this season, whether it be in a pro event or not. Um, I've ran three and a half at 39 twice this year, Um, so getting to see four ball more frequently is, is also a huge step in the right direction for me. Um, I would like to ski more head to head events. I would love the opportunity to do so, Uh um, and to ski against, you know, the girls who I really, I call them like the heavyweights of the sport, you know, Regina, Menon, Whitney and Jamie. Um,
0: so you consider yourself more to be more of a match play skier?
2: (laughs) Well, I, I, always consider myself the underdog. I think that's a very healthy mindset for me. Um, because if I think I've got it made, then, you know, really, what is the point? And I just think that I have so much room yet to improve. I think there's uh, continuous improvement is always a healthy mission, right? So um, I, I see a lot that I could do better regularly. Um, you know, it's funny, like, you can have a PB, and then you go back and watch the video, and you're like, oh, my God, I could have done this, this, and this, right? So, um You know, I always come into it as I'm an underdog, and I want a shot at one of those four women because I think they really are like the best of the best right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I still feel like I'm chasing better skills
0: Yes, indeed. All right, then. We're going to put a a wrap on that. Uh, We thank Elizabeth Montevon for being a participant in this podcast. But I will give her an opportunity to give a a shout out to friends, family, supporters, and what have you. So before we uh, wrap that up, uh, uh, turn the mic over to you.
2: You know, I really have to um, thank everybody in our South Florida group. Of course, my coach, Chet Raley. Um, We also ski with George Levine, Noah Veek. You know, that crew down there is just so dedicated to water skiing. They ski all year round. Um, They're always trying to get better and learn more. Um, whether it be at Okehele or um, Miami or one of the lakes in Boca or up in Hope Sound. Um, So always, always grateful to that community. They welcomed me in a few years ago, and it's been a great ride since. And, of course, my family and to Stevie um, for being so supportive. Um, You know, training a pro skier is not easy day in, day out, but they do it. And I am so, so grateful to them.
0: And I'm looking over there. It's actually nodding. (laughs) (laughs) all right then so uh be sure to catch elizabeth and stevie on their podcast uh, rescue die uh you've been listening to elizabeth montavon i'm tony lightfoot this is the latest edition of the twbc podcast so until next time it is ciao for now
1: thank you for listening to the twbc podcast be sure to check out our website